Are you a high-performing real estate investor who's looking to further elevate your performance? If so, download our free guide, Raising the Bar, Five Steps to Elevate Your Habits by joining our insider network at elevatepod.com. This guide created by yours truly has the power to put your transformation on autopilot and exponentially change your trajectory. Go get your free copy now at elevatepod.com. Welcome to Elevate, the masterclass where we dissect the elements of exceptional achievement and lifestyle design with a focus on personal growth and real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Tyler Chesser. Elevate Nation, welcome back. This is Tyler Chester. I'm so thankful to have you here. And I am blessed and grateful to be sitting with Amy Silvis today. You're going to learn about how to overcome life's toughest challenges to rise to the occasion and create a real estate portfolio that supports your greatest dreams, period. I mean, what else do you want? I mean, ultimately, that's why we're here is to overcome life's challenges, to receive the gifts in those challenges. You're going to learn about how to receive the gifts in the greatest challenges that you face in your life. And we all face challenges. We all face heartaches and problems, right? And, and Amy has faced significant health challenges in her life and she has received the gifts and she continues to receive and also give those gifts as a result. And this is an absolutely inspiring episode today. You're going to learn so much. I am so excited about this. Uh, Elevate podcast is all about mindset, mind expansion, and personal development for high-performing real estate investors. Today is no different. I'm your host, Tyler Chesser, and I am a professional real estate investor and high-performance coach. It is my job to decode the stories, habits, and multifaceted expertise of world-class investors and other experts to help you elevate your performance and lifestyle. Are you ready to take it to another level? Today is the day. Let's raise the bar. And before we dive into this episode, I want to encourage you, if you haven't done so already, please, 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 it really helps me. And it would mean so much to me if you followed Elevate Podcast, give a uh, rating, a review, a five-star rating, if you're so inclined. It helps us so much to continue to grow this podcast, to reach new audiences and to impact more people. If you give us a rating or review and also follow or subscribe the podcast, wherever it is that you watch or listen, we are everywhere. We're across the board on every podcast platform. And ultimately we would be so grateful. Um, the fee for listening today, if you haven't done so already, by the way, this is a, a fee for listening to every single episode is just to pay it forward and share this with someone new. If you've already shared Elevate Podcast before, we just ask that you share it once more to someone that hasn't um, been exposed to the podcast before. So thank you for just grabbing that link, sending it in a text message, an email, posting it on social media, whatever it is, tagging your friend. Um, we just thank you, thank you for being here. If it's your first time listening to Elevate, we're here to pour into you. We're here to give you education. We're here to give you mindset tactics. We're here to expand your mind. We're here to help you learn the personal development techniques of the greatest investors, but also some of the most inspiring people across the world and some of the people who are creating the biggest impact across the world. So with all that said, I want to dive in. I want to introduce you to Amy Silvis, who prior to working in multifamily real estate, she spent 13 years in the pharmaceutical and biotech industries. She was drawn to the industry because she was able to serve people while they battled serious health challenges. While traveling on business, she picked up Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki and a light bulb went off. She realized that her skill set could serve just even more people through multifamily real estate by providing clean, safe, affordable housing to working class families, by providing a powerful and proven investment vehicle for friends and family to participate in, 
and by pouring profits into organizations that assist underprivileged and sick children. After several attempts to crack into the industry on her own because of health challenges, Amy was presented with the opportunity to join Quattro Capital. She is active on the GP and LP side of the, of apartments in Tennessee and Georgia and is continuing to grow her own portfolio with a goal of achieving the five freedoms in the next couple of years. Amy lives in Los Angeles with her amazing husband, Joel, and they love college football, traveling and volunteering their time with organizations that care for children in need. Without further ado, please enjoy this inspiring conversation with Amy Silvis. Welcome to Elevate. How are you? Oh my goodness. I am blessed and grateful. Uh, I just can't thank you enough for having me on. It's so great to see you. You know, it's, it's, it almost, in some ways, it feels a bit surreal that we're, we're finally sitting down to have this conversation. I feel like we've anticipated this for quite some time. And uh, I just appreciate you showing up with positive energy and great vibes and, uh, you know, the, the intention of adding value to other people. And that's really what this is all about. So thank you. And while we dive into this conversation, you know this, I love to ask this question. If you were to describe yourself in the way that the people that know you best or the longest or the deepest, how yes. would they describe Amy Silvis? Well, thank you again uh, before I get started for having me on. This is such an honor. I mentioned before we uh, kind of got started growing up in Los Angeles, you know, celebrities aren't really a big deal to me, but being on this podcast, I feel like I'm talking to a celebrity, so I'm a little starstruck, but thank you again for, for this introduction and, and to be able to be here. Um, I would say that my friends would describe me as this interesting mixture of positive outlook and just relentless tenacity. Um, I kind of set my sights on things and as well, I'm sure we'll get to into this podcast, even if it takes me longer than a decade to reach something, I will get there and I'll get there with a smile on my face and, and this Pollyanna attitude of uh, nothing can get me down. I, I really, I'm glad that you brought that up because, you know, sometimes we, we view ourselves in sort of our timeline and we compare it to others, people's timelines so frequently. And, and it, I think it really happens in real estate specifically. It's like, well, wait a minute, so-and-so scaled, you know, to however many, you know, units or however many, you know, assets under management and they're, you know, how many properties did they just buy? And, you know, and wait a minute, they're, they're, you know, beyond financially free and I'm still struggling to figure this thing out. And so I'm really glad that you brought that up about the, Hey, you know what? It, it's taken me a long long time to get here and that it's okay to be in that position. So what would you say about that? I couldn't agree with you more. You know, uh, I think I'm sure many of your listeners are type A, very driven as well, uh, used to accomplishing goals. But the reality is sometimes there are some things and some blessings along the way, even if there is a delay towards getting towards your goal. I know in my case, that's the case. And I've heard from many other people as well who maybe have gone through this in this industry or something else. So there's always a good side uh, to maybe sometimes not always getting what you want on the time frame that you'd like, but we can always have faith that, that yeah, we'll get no there. doubt. And uh, I think if we continue to be persistent, it's amazing what can happen. And, and also the compound effect starts to surprise us over time, but tell us a little bit about your backstory and sort of what, you know, what your upbringing has been all about, obviously from kind of growing up, but also through the early part of your professional career, it would be awesome to really understand a bit more about your story. You got it. So uh, I was born and raised in Pasadena, California just a few blocks from the Rose Bowl. There's a little foreshadowing there with uh, some hobbies I have. Uh, <laughs> two, two amazing parents, uh, just kind of a humble middle-class background. My father uh, did and still does manual labor at 67 years old and uh, just incredible work ethic. I couldn't be more grateful for, for the uh, childhood I had. 
When I was, well, six months after I was born, I was diagnosed with an illness called cystic fibrosis. I think maybe people have heard of it, but may not know what it is, but essentially it's a lung disease that's genetic. Uh, parents are silent carriers and often don't know that they're passing it on to their children. Uh, and my parents were basically told when I was six months old that I'd be lucky to live to be 16. So kind of an interesting um, you know, thing for brand new parents to digest, but thankfully my folks raised me with kind of the same expectations and uh, um, kind of uh, values and morals and work ethic than that anyone would uh, without a, ch a child with a chronic illness. I did have a little bit of a different childhood just because of that illness. I had to do hours of breathing treatments uh, every day just to kind of stay healthy. I was in and out of the hospital uh, on occasion, not too often as a child, but bottom line is, you know, all setbacks, <laughs> all difficulties come with huge gifts, as we mentioned. So um, great childhood overall. And as I went off to college, I was kind of trying to figure out, you know, hey, I, you know, spoiler alert, I'm 40 years old now, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> as I surpassed my 16th birthday, became 18, went off to college for the first time and really was trying to figure out how I was going to manage this illness that took a lot of my time with this brain that had lots of goals and was active and, you know, all these things that I wanted to do in life. <clears throat> this equation of trading my time for money, I had no other idea that there was any other way. Uh, I did know at some point, perhaps my, my health would get to a point where I didn't, where I wasn't able to work, where my body wouldn't be able to handle it. So I had kind of this sense of urgency to, to, build a career that maybe could support me uh, in some way when that inevitable future came. I ended up working in biotech uh, right out of undergrad, which was really a perfect fit, obviously given my medical condition, but it really helped me live out my values of desperately wanting to give back to people uh, that were in need. So the thought of being able to be a part of bringing medications to the market for folks that had grievous illness was just something that had me bounce out of bed every morning. So that's what I did after undergrad. And uh, that led me kind of into my thirties before I went and got my MBA. What a beautiful, then, what a beautiful backstory. And, and I'm just so grateful to be having this conversation with you because, you know, having that early prognosis and learning about, well, wait a minute, the expectation is maybe 16 years at best. And I'm sure that I would imagine that maybe early part of your life that was in the back of your mind constantly. It's like, how much time do I have left? And then you expanded beyond that. You made it past. And now obviously 40 years old and, you know, hopefully we have a hundred more years of your beauty and your, you know, your gifts and your values that you continue to bring to the world. But what was that like? I mean, you know, learning about that prognosis early on, I'm sure it was, it was the only thing you knew, but then when you kind of grew past that and you said, well, wait a minute, I, I have all these dreams and goals, but how do I manage this prognosis with these dreams and goals in my head? So what was that like? Give us a more, more of a sense of sort of the, the experience there. You got it. You know, I think it really gave me a sense of urgency. So, you know, growing up in Los Angeles, a lot of distractions, Hollywood, you know, th there's just kind of a different vibe about this city. And my illness was really a gift in that it kept me grounded. I really kind of saw what time constraints could do in a positive way of keeping, kind of eliminating the noise and really focusing on what really mattered in life. Um, the other gift growing up with the illness is I was exposed to some love and care that a lot of people usually don't see maybe until the end of their lives, being surrounded by nurses, doctors, 
folks that just have a giving heart whose whole purpose is to help people in some of their worst time of, uh, of their lives. Having that perspective really helped me understand how beautiful that could be for me in some capacity to be able to focus my life and being able to give to others in need. So while it was tough and I was extremely aware of my mortality and some of my goals that I wanted to set with my peers, I had to go about achieving them differently or may, maybe had a different timeline. It didn't mean that there had to be a you know a hard stop or you know no I wasn't going to be able to live the life I wanted I just did it in a different way. Well, I know that many of the listeners could relate to the other comment that you made as you were managing your goals and your dreams and your mind with also you know the unique perspective of managing this health condition and the thought process that you had into entering into your adulthood and your professional life of, hey, you know what? This is a way that I can add value and give to other people through the biotech industry, which is also awesome. And it shows a lot about your heart. And as you got started there, you also never knew anything other than trading time for money. And then from what I understand about your journey, as you grew in your career, you came across this little book that many of us came across, right? Rich Dad, Poor Dad, this little purple book. And you said, well, wait a minute, this is really interesting, right? So then your whole mind started shifting. So give me a sense of what happened with you then. You said it perfectly. And I think we all, you know, many of us have that same experience of, oh my gosh, you know, I'm a highly educated woman. I feel like I'm around smart people. How come I never understood or came across this concept that I didn't have to constantly worry about how my body or how I could contribute my time in return for money. <clears throat> it opened up my whole world. Uh, talk about hope, talk about motivation. It was just such a, a game changer, like you said, as I'm sure many of your listeners have experienced. And it set me on such an exciting path uh, to be able to really form my destiny and take more control in a positive way of where I wanted my life to go. And, I, and then, so then you mix this sense of urgency, this focus on what matters. And it's like, what a gift. I mean, like, it's so interesting you were talking about, and you're almost like defaulting to the gifts of the challenges that you've had in your life. And I think that there's a lot to be said about that. We can all kind of check in and say, you know, uh, am I, am I, you know, looking at myself as a victim or a victor, you know, or, you know, because I was just having a conversation with someone right before this podcast that, you know, it's not the events in our life, but it's our estimation of those events. Boom. And once we start to realize that, that we actually have the choice of that, everything changes. And it's like what Wayne Dyer said. He's like, when, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. And so obviously we're talking about your shift in terms of your outlook on money and the way that that can allow you to design a life, but also the way that you looked at your health prognosis and the way that you use that to say, well, you know what, I have a sense of urgency. And so now this has become a part of my being and my focus based on this sense of urgency. Now I can serve other people, but I can also design a life through real estate. Does that resonate with you? That you are spot on. You had some several mic drop moments there and took the words right out of my mouth. It perfectly described. Uh, you know, you mentioned Robert Kiyosaki. One of his, one of the quotes of many that I love of his is every coin has three sides, mm -hmm. the heads, the tails, and the edge. And if you can find yourself on the edge and see both sides, that's where true, true wisdom lies. So everyone has a challenge in their life, right? I'm not unique. Mine just happens to be health related, but everyone goes through things. And so, as you mentioned, if we're able to really see the gifts that come from those challenges, 
there's really no stopping us. So yes, it, it's a it's it's a powerful outlook. I I would be lying if I said you know I I came up with it on my own. I really stand on the shoulders of giants, great parents, great friends, you know, great teachers that that really molded me. But uh, it's gotten me here today for sure. Well, and I don't know if you're anything like me, like when you read that book, you were, you're starting to question almost everything, right? You're starting to well, like, well, wait a minute. Why didn't, why didn't they tell me this? Why didn't I learn this in school? Or why didn't I hear this from family? And it's, it's really interesting to say, well, wait a minute, maybe they just didn't, you know, get exposed to this either. And maybe there's no ill will, but it took me a while. I was like starting to question things and like my whole world was almost like needed to be reconstructed. So did you have the same experience? Like, cause you were, you were highly educated, as you mentioned, you were growing in your career. I'm sure you were very successful as an early biotech professional. Um, but were you, did you have to reconstruct your reality as well? No question. So the, the, the funny thing is, and I love that you asked this, is I had actually just graduated, graduated with my MBA. So I worked for a few years, took time off to do two years of getting, you know, an advanced degree in hopes to get a bigger, badder, better you know, one more wonderful W-2 job because I was chasing the security of, oh my gosh, how much more time do I have left? Mm. So to have just graduated with all that time and money investment and to have this shift of like, wait, what have I just been doing? <laughs> you know, I, what else is different than what I kind of perceived? So that's okay. That's how you know you're growing. You know, if you're not having moments like that regularly, at least you know, maybe you're like me, I feel like I'm not challenging myself to, to learn enough. So I agree. One of the questions that I like to ask myself and other people is, hey, what's the biggest thing or what's one example of something that you've changed your mind on recently? And the reason why I like that is because the example that you just shared is like, whoa, you just changed your mind on, you know, two years of an MBA investment and plus, you know, time and effort and energy that was required to obtain that additional degree. And it's like, well, wait a minute. And the whole point is, you know, Robert Kiyosaki is like, well, it's not necessarily traditional education that can help you move forward or create, you know, a wealthy lifestyle, which it's not all about finance, but it's about security and it's about freedom and it's about impact. And so, you know, you changed your mind. And so you made this huge investment and sometimes it feels like this sunk cost. And it's like, well, wait a minute, I can't change my mind on that because right. if I do, then I admit that I perhaps made a, you know, an investment in a direction that's not really serving where I'm going. So there's a lot of value in that experience. So what was next for you from there? Like you, you, you learned this, you started reconstructing your reality. Did you just jump in or what was the next step for you? I jumped in. Uh, you know, I this was probably around 2011. I had got my MBA, as I mentioned. I ended up back in the biotech industry because marketing dish soap just didn't get me up in the morning and <laughs> to return to, to continue to serve other people. And so I tried to build my real estate business while I was working my W-2. Um, tried to find local markets, tried to, you know, just get an education, as you mentioned, that informal mm -hmm. education to, to set me on that path. And my health just decided to keep punching me in the gut. <laughs> so I, I probably attempted to buy my first property five or six times over the next 10 years. And, you know, just as life would have it, uh, I just didn't, you know, have it enough together with my health to, to be able to do that. So 2017, I actually, my health got so bad, I had to retire from my W-2. It was you know, maybe you can relate a brain like mine and being goal oriented work was a big part of my identity. It was a big part sure. of my purpose. It was a big part of why I got up in the morning uh, because I just loved it so much. And I finally kind of reached that moment that I had been dreading a lot of my life of 
okay, I'm not going to be able to support myself. I'm going to have to figure out ways to uh, keep my health, you know, steady and find ways to, yeah, to be able to pay the bills. Um, so I can go down that hole. I don't want to keep uh, keep <laughs> <laughs> monologuing at you. But uh, again, with all setbacks, there was a great kind of comeback from that story as well. Well, I'm, I'm really enthralled by the story. And, and, and this is not this is not just like a made up story. Obviously, this is your life. And so I'm yeah. enthralled by your experience. And the reason why I love to learn more about people's stories, and, and I've said this before, is that we can all learn more about our own story and our own journey by understanding others. And we can also be inspired and um, we can understand that, you know, challenges can be overcome. They were meant to be overcome. And they're also like you've you've laid this out several times in this conversation already that challenges are gifts. And even the biggest, most seemingly insurmountable challenges can be gifts. So I'd love to keep going on this if you're open for it. So tell us a little bit about that. So you, you had to retire in 2017 um, from your, your main career. And so what happened then? Yeah. So I was 36 years old, medically retired, a bunch of time on my hands, uh, still kind of in and out of the hospital, but I did have more free time. And I thought, all right, this is it. This is where I pivot to get into real estate. Um, I don't know how it's going to happen. I've tried several times and failed, but uh, you know, the conversation I had with God a lot was, hey, why is this still on my heart when I'm clearly <laughs> not always having the physical ability to do this? What are we doing? Um, and gratefully, I was able to maximize that time and a brand new drug for cystic fibrosis came to the market in 2019. What we had been hoping for, praying for, uh, fundraising for, and uh, it the time just hit. My health improved dramatically. Uh, my preparation, the groundwork I had laid for the past 10 years finally kind of uh, started to serve me. And we we're off to the races. Closed my first property in uh, just about six months ago. Wow. Are you kidding yeah. me? I've, I'm, I'm like, I have chills. This is amazing. So if we, if we can persist through challenges, we may not know how our solution is going to come about, but it will, if we're willing to be, if we're willing to have faith, if we're willing to be grateful for every step along the way, if we're willing to face another day, maybe those are some lessons that we can learn. That's amazing. So you continue to persist. And it was like, it was on your heart. That's really interesting. That was on your heart to get into real estate. It was almost like this desire, you know, um, you, you had this desire and it was like this message from God that this is the path that you should be taking. So you took that, that path six months ago, you closed your first, first deal. How exciting is that? And so what was the first deal? What did that look like? Sure. Yeah. Just incredible. Well, one of the, one of the other lessons along the way was, you know, this is a team sport. Real estate really is not meant to be done on your own. Not that we can't handle it, not that we're not capable, but you are just, you can go further faster by joining a team. So yes. I met the amazing Maurice Philogene. Uh, I actually heard him speak on a podcast and he talked a lot about things that I hadn't heard other people talk about, which was money not being the end goal in real estate, but money really being a vehicle for your own time freedom, you know, freedom to give to others. So I was fortunate enough to link arms with Maurice Philogene and Quattro Capital, and we closed on a 58 unit in Clarksville, Tennessee, just about 60 miles, yeah, northwest of, of Nashville. So outstanding market, such an amazing property. And uh, yes, I, I'm almost at a loss for words because it just felt so good. <laughs> well, I, well, big shout out to Maurice Philogene because he's a former guest on Elevate himself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's a walking example of, you know, using real estate as a vehicle for creating a lifestyle or creating impact or creating whatever it is that you want, right? It's a vehicle. It's not the end game, but it's a 
it's a piece that we can use and, and we can serve people through as well. So I think that's amazing, but you brought up something there that is so critical. It's a team, right? I, I found that too. When I, when I got started in the business, I was like, you know, I, I didn't want to ask questions and I was kind of nervous that people would see that I didn't know every answer. But then when I started, when I gave that up and when I surrounded myself with smarter people, I then started to go further faster. So what was it about the team that helped lift you to really getting traction and making things happen? That's it. Yeah. If, if, I'm not the dumbest person in the room, I am doing something wrong. So it is, <laughs> it is, it is by design. Uh, and that's not putting my intellect down. It's just, you know, intentionally being around people to elevate me. But um, yeah, the, the team is incredible. So whether it's, you know, mindset support, whether it's experience in the industry, uh, whether it's folks on the ground, you know, I'm out here in LA, I like to invest in the Southeast. So there are just countless ways a team can support, can elevate, and as you mentioned, the the go further faster. Um, five, six, seven minds together with various industry experiences and and all of that. That synergy is not a one plus one equals two, but a one plus one equals ten. Truly. Hey guys, just a quick word from our sponsor, and we'll be right back to the show. This episode of Elevate is brought to you by CF Capital, and you know how much I love real estate and how it can be a vehicle towards creating any outcome that you want in your life, which is really why we created CF Capital, a real estate investment firm that focuses on acquiring and operating multifamily assets that provide stable cash flow, capital appreciation, and a margin of safety for our investors, for our partners, and for the people that we serve. Our team leverages its expertise in acquisitions and management to provide investors like you with superior risk-adjusted returns while placing a premium on preserving capital. Our mission is to provide property investment and asset management solutions to help investors maximize their returns by investing in high-value multifamily communities. Our philosophy is that we can elevate communities together through this process. And I wanna invite you to go check out cfcapllc.com because we have a free ebook that's called the bottom line, the 10 ways to increase cash flow in an apartment complex. And I want to tell you that this is a value packed ebook. So I want to want to invite you to go check that out right now at cfcapllc.com. I think you're going to get a ton of value just from reading this, whether you apply it to your own business or whether you educate yourself further on what it would look like if you invested with CF Capital. So go check that out at cfcapllc.com. Again, that's cfcapllc.com and enjoy the rest of the show. My question, whenever I'm like surrounding myself with other amazing people is what can I do to add value? How can I help? How can I surround myself? You know, not only ask questions and allow them to elevate me, but how can I elevate these other people, right? Because the only way that we can have this, this symbiotic relationship and growing relationship is to add value. So give us a sense of your role on the team. I'm curious, yeah. you know, what, what role do you play for Quattro Capital? So I was sneaky. <laughs> we joke about this now, but you know, Quattro Capital, they're full of amazing people. There are a lot of folks that want to work with them. And I had to really find a way to kind of be a part of their organization, be around them when I know there was a lot of demand. So I just constantly was asking how I can give, what I can do to add value, exactly what you said, um, figure out what the needs were, figure out uh, where the gaps and skills were, all of those things. And, you know, by just kind of having this constant drum beat of here's Amy again, looking for ways to add value and persistence being positive and all that. Yeah. There's that persistence thing. Again, I was able to uh, integrate myself into the team. Market research was actually something I inadvertently stumbled upon uh, that was a love of mine, but also a gap that, that the team had. So 
we usually, and I think you're probably the same way, identify markets first and then go on and find properties that, that are within those favorable markets. And you know, you can go pretty crazy with market research. And I do. I really spend <laughs> a lot of time. I like to travel. And I think I've convinced myself that by kind of, you know, researching different markets, I feel like I'm immersing myself in a place other than where I live. But <clears throat> so I spend quite a bit of time helping Quattro Capital with that, in addition to asset managing on some of the, the properties that I've closed with them and obviously working continuously on the on the acquisition side as well. I love it. And let's talk about a little bit about market research, because I actually I kind of nerd out on market research, too. I think it's fascinating when you think about like behavior um, patterns that exist in various markets, whether it's, you know, cities or it's actually sub markets or neighborhoods within those cities. And it's really fascinating to understand all of those different factors. Um, I actually my, my previous life was in marketing. I was a, I was in international marketing. And so for me, it was always fascinating to understand, like the perceptions of a brand in a new market, whether it was in the Middle East or South America or Eastern Europe and, you know, or even across the United States. And so I think about market research as it relates to real estate as to be, you know, very fascinating as well. And obviously it's important to understand those behaviors and patterns so that we can project appropriately in the future. Because like you said, if we don't choose the right market, we're going to have some challenges or if we're not making the appropriate assumptions in whatever market it is that we're investing in, we're going to have some challenges. So that's my long winded way of saying, what do you love about market research? Gosh, all of it. You know, I I think you hit the nail on the head. There is this human behavior aspect. You know, I love people. I like being around people everyone's just kind of a, a friend that I just haven't gotten to know yet. So there is this aspect of, of human behavior. Behavior. You know, we've had this great migration over the past year and a half. Who would have seen this? Who would have expected this? But also the analytical data where you can really, everyone can look at the same set of data and see it different ways. You can slice it, you can dice it, you can prioritize. And I think merging those two, um, those two things together just constantly keeps me curious. It's always changing. So you, at least yeah. for me, maybe you agree. There's really no opportunity to be bored. You know, what's what's around the corner? Who knows? Let's go investigate. So <laughs> that's kind of my disposition. I love it. And so what are some of the key indicators that you look for when investing in a, in a sub-market? I mean, what, what factors are you paying most attention to? Sure. So I think, you know, we all have kind of the traditional population growth, job growth, unemployment. I've been really paying a bit more attention to kind of how individual states, what their unfunded liabilities are. I think Mm. we may be having some interesting things coming through, uh, you know, coming down the pike with that. We all know the United States, as they've done over the past two years, can print currency at will, right? And kind Mm of, you know, either deflate their unfunded liabilities or kind of play some, some magic tricks there. States are in a dramatically different position, right? They're really, you know, they've got a few levers they can pull, but if folks are leaving, if jobs are leaving, if you know, property taxes are maxed out and folks are kind of saying, you know, I can't afford this anymore. There, there are going to be some interesting situations. I hope I'm wrong, but I, <laughs> my research is telling me we may need to be mindful of that as well, amongst other kind of data points uh, in terms of where we invest. That is such a good point. And, and it's almost like we have to go upstream sometimes, right? Because sometimes it's like, you know, we're, we get lost in the in the forest, you know, in the trees, but we fail to see the forest or the mountains above the trees. And so you think about like unfunded liabilities as being a a really important undercurrent to to consider when investing in certain states or, you know, even for international investors, it's like, well, what's going on in that country or whatever, you know, what's going on politically, what's going on with the currency. I mean, these are, these are very important issues that impact 
all things, the health of our occupants ultimately relates to the health of our investment and not no pun intended because we're talking about health earlier in this conversation. But, but really, I mean, if our, if our, if our, I'm sorry, if our residents cannot pay their rents, it's going to be a tough time for us to, to be able to hit our projections. So what's your take on what's going on macroeconomically? I mean, from a high level, obviously we've been talking about some of this currency issues and stuff. I mean, how are you making sense of all this? Woo, it's a fascinating time, you know, uh, as, as I alluded to, and as you know, you know, currency supply has exploded over the past year and a half, uh, two years. I understand why we shut down our economy right. in order to preserve health of folks. So, you know, no, no judgment either way, but just kind of understanding the cards that we've been dealt. Um, thankfully, the velocity of currency has stayed pretty low, but if and when sentiment changes, Currency starts changing hands more often, uh, velocity of money increases. I think we may be in for a bit more permanent uh, higher inflation than maybe the Fed is alluding to. One mm-hmm. lady's opinion here, but you know, <laughs> it does it does uh, pique my interest. And obviously, this is a good industry to be in. I think uh, if if those circumstances do happen. Yeah, I mean, you look at inflation. I think there's no question we're seeing inflation in real assets mostly. Um, we, we're certainly seeing in consumer goods. Um, across the board. So it's it's interesting to understand how that impacts, um, you know, household income levels and household net income, because that obviously impacts um, viability to pay rent and so forth. But if you think about the the weight of money, I was having a conversation with Dr. Peter Lineman, which is one of the greatest economists yeah. across the world. And and he was talking about the weight of money. And, and I highly recommend the listeners to go back and listen to this. But if you think about this, we've never seen anything like this in the history of, you know, America, certainly, but maybe right. even farther beyond that. And, and you think about this and it's like, well, where's all that money going? And it's in, right now, what we're seeing is the flow of money is going into assets. And yep. so you're seeing inflation, obviously you're seeing a compressed cap rate, you're seeing higher prices. How, how is this impacting the way that you guys are looking at deals? Well, so, and we couple exactly what you said. I love that question about how we're looking at these things with unprecedented low interest rates. So, you know, I know some people are sounding the alarms of, hey, cap rates have gone down. What justifies this? Are we in a bubble? But we're also, you know, we can get bridge debt at what, 4%, maybe lower. I mean, mm-hmm. there are just so many, you mentioned unprecedented times and we haven't seen this before. I think we're all wading through, you know, I hate saying this time it's different, but it definitely feels like this time, maybe things are a little bit different. So to answer your question directly, we err on the hugely conservative side, maybe to our detriment, but we are very, very analytical and thoughtful in terms of, you know, break-even analysis, conservative in our assumptions. Uh, It helps us sleep at night, of course, (laughs) but it's also our fiduciary duty. So making sure we're choosing markets, you know, that have, kind of this great recipe uh, for, for growth and sustainability, I, I think is, has never been more important than it is now. It's such a good point. And uh, it's important for us to understand all of these moving factors, but also understand, you know, where are the opportunities. There's opportunities in every challenges, every oh. challenge, as we talked about earlier in this conversation. Yeah. I mean, is there anything that you're looking into as, as it relates to like, you know, the, the supply chain challenges that we're seeing right now, uh, labor kind of pressures across, you know, the nation and, and across, you know, certain markets that you're investing in. Um, we talked about migration patterns and those kind of things, but how are you, how are you analyzing the supply chain issues and some of these labor yes. pressures? Love it. So speaking of supply chain issues, I'm just a few miles from the port of LA, where, as you may have heard, 
federal government's given authorization for it to be open 24 seven. So yeah, the, the, uh, the supply chain is, is, I mean, and that's just one kind of part of that equation, but we're just continuing to underwrite with pretty huge margin, quite candidly. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just got off the call with our property manager, uh, in fact, for that Clarksville, Tennessee deal and said, you know, we're having a hard time getting a handyman for less than $30 an hour. Uh, we finally hired one and even he didn't show up. No judgment again. I'm not, you know, making a, a qualitative judgment on that, but prices of things are going up and the availability, as you mentioned, of you know, refrigerators and flooring and things that we want to implement in our business plan to improve the lives of our tenants, it's challenging. So one of many ways we're doing that is just by making sure we've got a lot of cash on hand, a lot of margin, coupled with conservative kind of business plan implementation and dialing in. Maybe we would have said four weeks for turns, renovations, maybe we're doing eight, maybe we're doing 10 hey, hopefully we're being overly conservative, but I'd rather that than, you know, over-promising and under-delivering. I totally agree. I think at this point in time, it's like we got to have margin, especially for capital expenditure projects. We have to understand that the timeframes are going to need margins from what we understand. I mean, that's great news. I didn't know that the Port of LA has now been authorized to do 24-7. I mean, that's one example, but, you know, we need to see more good news on this front because you've seen such a uh, disruption of the supply chain across the board, which is obviously impacting all the materials that we're looking at to make improvements of our assets and And keep these assets moving, but also, you know, to, to make sense of a lot of deals, you've got to be able to add value in a timely manner. And so this is a challenge, but there's an opportunity and, and the opportunity is obviously in some ways is to get better, to get more precise, to improve your team and your communication. But is there any other opportunities that you see within this challenge? Gosh, you know, it's really challenged me as someone who works on the acquisition side as well to find ways to find properties that are maybe below market. So we've got a little mm. bit more margin there. We might be able to hit our returns. So what does that look like? Does it mean going after sellers, you know, without going through a broker? Not because I don't like brokers, but sometimes they're just sellers that like to deal one-on-one with, with buyers. Um, can we get more creative with financing? Are there markets that just aren't sexy, that everyone's kind of ignoring, but there's still great opportunity, uh, not only to make money, but serve the folks that, that live in that area. We're looking at a market where uh, properties are either kind of C-class or A-class, and then markets changing a bit to the point where we understand there may be a need for some B-type assets to serve increasing incomes and jobs that are coming in. And uh, it's probably a market many people haven't heard of, but we've identified and we're going to go play there because, you know, we don't need to be in the sexy part. We need to <laughs> do our job, and implement our business plan. So that's so good. And I, I just feel your passion for this business and it's really palpable and it's fun. It's honestly super fun <laughs> to talk to you about because, uh, you know, sometimes I, I'm being dead serious because sometimes you talk with people about real estate and it's like, you know, they're very knowledgeable and you can, you learn some things, but it's the passion isn't there, but you know, what you just described was, wait a minute, there's many ways to adapt in the face of a challenge. It doesn't have to just be one way. And sometimes if we can't fit a square peg in a round hole, we need to go around the hole, right? And we need to figure out this thing and and totally change the way that we're looking at a challenge. It's like first first principle thinking. And, you know, the reason why I, I mentioned that is because like, you're so passionate about this business and I get a sense of the reason why you're so passionate is because of the vision that you have for your life and the vision that you have for the impact that you're making in your life. Could you talk a little bit about that? 
You got it. You got it. Uh, you know, you mentioned about kind of the the impact and the vision. This I. I bring up this property in Clarksville once again, but once we, when we took over that property, the next day we got a phone call from our property management company and they told us that a woman that was wheelchair bound was recently just put in a second floor apartment. Um, and she was having to scoot down stairs on her tush in order to be able, I know, I just, I can barely even articulate it because it hurts my soul so much, but you know, obviously we were able to immediately relocate her, pay for her moving costs, find a, a, a unit that fit her mobility needs and just make sure she was safe. But my vision in life and my, my business vision and all of that is really tied to small moments like that. Obviously not small for her, but when we talk about lifestyle design or, you know, 20 year goals to be able to have little moments like that to me, and it's going to sound corny, but it is true, is such a privilege because I have the power and the ability to change someone's life. I know, again, a gift from health challenges, what it's like to not be able to, you know, do some things because of, uh, of things like that. So uh, my grand vision is for my husband and I to be able to spend full time giving back to, to people in need, specifically children in Los Angeles. It's a it's a great city, but schools are underfunded. Uh, we have a large immigrant population where they're Parents are working their tails off just to provide kind of basic necessities. And we know that children, children are our future. I sound like Michael Jackson. But, um, <laughs> it's simply the truth and investing in those, you know, the, those beautiful souls um, with our time and with our finances uh, will be my best accomplishment by far. So I'm on that path and uh, I'm grateful my husband, uh, you know, has that vision and that calling as well. Well, I'm sure the listeners can see this as well, but I'm like, I have no doubt you're going to get there and you're going to do that because it's all about the passion. And, and when I think about if I want to accomplish anything big in my life, I got to have a purpose as to why, like if I want to, you know, create some level of wealth or I want to buy a certain amount of properties or create a certain amount of cash flow in my life, it's got to be tied to a reason or an outcome. Like what is the purpose for that? Does that resonate with you? That's the trick. Yeah. that, that, that That's the best thing. The why the why will move mountains, right? It really, yes. really will. Um, and it doesn't really matter whether it's in our, you know, our personal lives, our health, our fitness, our professional life, you know, whatever that looks like, um, digging into that why uh, can bounce you out of bed at 4am and hit the ground running to, to get closer to your goal. So as far as like, so one of your biggest goals is to, is to have real impact on the children of Los Angeles as one example. Yes. What other what other vision do you have for your life? I mean, I'm sure there's some things that you would love to to receive in your lifestyle as well, because I'll just say this. I think you deserve it. So what else? Uh, what is it that you want in your life as well that you're creating and that you're designing? Yeah. So geographic freedom. I mentioned Maurice Philogene, and that was kind of one of those things that really um, struck me because uh, I didn't really, frankly, realize other people had this goal. Uh, I was fortunate enough uh, in college and while getting my MBA to live overseas uh, for a bit. And there is nothing like being around people that are different than me, whether it's a different language or culture or history. I quite frankly feel closest to God when I travel. So to have the ability to not travel like a tourist, but to live like a local and just see this amazing earth and all the people and its diversity. Uh, I can't wait to do it. It will happen. <laughs> uh, you know, there, there are a few things we, we need to accomplish first, but that would be that that is definitely a lifelong goal. 
That's awesome. And I feel like you're inspiring many people. And and I think you just put a new spin on it that many people haven't considered is that if you're going to travel, it's like, well, maybe you can have some time where you're kind of kicking back and doing a tourist thing, but also, but living like a local, like that's pretty exciting. That's, and I I'm with you on that hundred percent. I mean, there's nothing more beautiful than understanding the perspective of someone that's totally different than you in a totally different location than, you know, you're familiar with. I just think there's so much that we can learn. I was, interesting. I was having a conversation with someone um, about a year and a half ago, and actually it was a question that I asked all of my Elevate guests. And I said, what's the biggest way do you elevate other people around you? Or actually it was other people around you and yourself. And she said, travel. And it's interesting. And I didn't realize it, but there's such a value in that. And we can change the lives of other people. We can obviously enhance our own life in so many ways. So anyway, I appreciate you, uh, you, you joining me on this journey, but man, this is just so much fun. And I'm so excited. And the reason why I wanted to go these directions with you today is, is not only to, to understand more about your experience and to join you on this journey, because I feel like your journey is ramping up in so many different ways, but it's also to inspire other people, right? It's to inspire others to understand how can I add more value? What is it that I need to learn and what do I need to do to transform to be able to add value to a team through real estate to give impact, to make impact and to live a beautiful life? How else are you educating yourself? How else are you growing? I would love to know, Amy, you know, because the the core question has been, how can I help? How can I serve? How else are you growing as an individual right now? I love that. So within real estate, you know, you and I talked before we got started. I coach with Coach Trevor McGregor. Uh, there is nothing like having someone who is obviously wise and has a great mindset, but isn't afraid to tell me, you know, what's going on in my blind spots, right? I'm just me. And as much as I'd like to think I'm able to live on that edge of the coin and see both sides, you know, I'm with myself all the time, which gives me blind spots. So coaching has been incredibly valuable. Meeting other people that are doing different things in this industry. You know, the one thing I love, well, one of the many things I love about this industry is folks are willing to share. There isn't, uh, maybe you agree, there isn't a lot of, these are my secrets, these are my secret ways I do this in this industry. I have found a lot of folks that are willing to talk to me about, you know, what are you doing in self-storage? What's, what's, what are people in LA doing with industrial properties? You know, there, there's just an endless way you can understand what happens in this industry. Uh, in terms of personal development, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on there too. I read a ton as much as I possibly can. Audiobooks are kind of my new hack, um, which I don't think is new to anyone but me, but <laughs> <that's for my> <laughs> reason. <laughs> what year is it? Um, <laughs> and uh, you know, just making sure I'm surrounding myself with with people that are either where I want to go, uh, fitness wise, health wise, uh, you know, even growing my relationship with my husband, making sure that that's better. I've just found being around like-minded people that are on a similar journey is, is endlessly helpful. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And and I think that that's, you know, it's also the spirit of this podcast is like, we can share, we can give, and we can also receive more. It's not like, hey, we have to keep all the secrets in within ourselves. And if we succeed, you know, everyone else has to fail. It's not a zero sum game. It's like the yeah. more that you give, the more that you receive. And it's a pretty interesting principle. And if we start to live that, it's amazing the abundance that we can live as well. But it is, it's really cool that we have this industry where that's, that's the like-minded perspective of many in our, I would say in our generation and so, you know, you know, so forth, because it hasn't always been that way, but I think we have a greater future 
as a result of that. So Amy, this is awesome. This is so much fun. I want to transition into our rapid fire section. It's called the rare air questionnaire. It's all about being uncommon. It's all about saying, you know what? Challenge. Thank you for the opportunity and pushing forward anyway and creating amazing circumstances for other people, for your life. And uh, that's what we can do through real estate. That's what we can do through personal development, through understanding more about our mindset, what may be holding us back, what may be propelling us forward. And so I have a few questions for you. You're just talking about audiobooks. You've just discovered audiobooks yourself, which is hilarious. Um, <laughs> what are two or three of the most impactful books you've read over the past few years and why? Ooh. Big Shifts Ahead. I don't know if you've heard of that book. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So the, the term demography is destiny is one of the one of the best quotes I've ever heard. And it's such an incredible tutorial and education on United States demographics. What's happening? We all know what millennials are, but where are they in their in their life stage? What's going on with migration? This book was written prior to the pandemic. So it's interesting to see all this play out in terms of massive migration to Texas and uh, and the Southeast. So I just love, yeah, demographics and, and understanding that. And this book is incredibly powerful. I'd recommend it to everybody. I agree. And I had Chris Porter, uh, the co-author on the podcast, right after the mm -hmm. pandemic hit. And it was so interesting because I asked him, I was like, all right, how have things changed? Because like you, I'm like, man, this book is so good. I'm like eating it up. And then the pandemic hits and I'm like, wait a minute. So is this all irrelevant now? And basically he's like, and we're, we've obviously seen how things have played out. He's like, look, it's just accelerating our projections. And, um, highly recommend that everyone reads that book big shifts ahead we'll put a link in the show notes let's do uh, it is there any other any other books that have been impactful for you it's so funny uh, you know given kind of the past few uh words you said but the book called the go-giver uh, i know some people have heard of it but it is it is so powerful and i think a lot of people live out these principles in one way or another but it really cements being intentional and saying, you know what, my role anytime I want something is to make sure I get busy and start giving. And it's not just giving randomly. It's having a true connection and leading with your heart to understand what someone's needs are and to find a way to fulfill them or link them up with someone that can without any expectation of anything in return. And it's just the principles of the universe, right? You give, <laughs> you receive. It's just how the laws work. And the book is it's small, but it's just immensely powerful. I can't recommend Amy, it enough. Amy, I'm, I promise I'm not trying to do this, but another shout out to a former Elevate <laughs> guest on yes. Bob Berg, uh, the author of The Go-Giver. That is a phenomenal book as well. And uh, that's a life changer. It's very oh. simple yet extremely profound. And, it, and it's much more than just understanding the principles of giving. But if you can it, you really integrate that into your being, there's it's a life changer. And so thank you for that. But aside from what we've already talked about today, Amy, what's the biggest way that you elevate your life on a daily basis? The, the, the power of my, my church community, the, my faith community. I, I think there is this dimension that, at least for me, that helps me get outside of myself, have this larger view and kind of perspective on the purpose of my life. Uh, maybe that's not always a, a popular opinion, but for me, it's just something that really anchors me in uh you know, getting away from the weeds and, and being able to see the, the forest from the trees, if you will, all those expressions, but it's really I, impactful and meaningful for me. 
I love it. And um, this is the rare air questionnaire. So it's about being uncommon. Maybe it's not the popular answer, but it's the important one. And it's one for us to all consider, you know, what, what type of community are you in? Because I think that there's a lot to be said about that. And uh, what is your faith? What is your spirituality? You know, we've got to have a bigger vision, a bigger purpose. I think that that is a critical component to creating a life of meaning. And so thank you for that. But what's the biggest way that you elevate others around you, Amy? Goodness, elevate others around me. You know, I, I think being very intentional about spending time with with folks that are that are underserved. So, you know, I mentioned the charity work that my that my husband and I want to do in Los Angeles. A lot of it isn't just about you know giving money, spending time, but actually living kind of in a space where we can understand what the needs are and having a larger view and contribution to what the problems are and how we might be able to positively influence that type of change. It's 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 a big problem to tackle, and we have this idea that we actually can can make a big dent in that. So it's our priority, and it's it's a uh, it drives us for sure. Amy, you are remarkable. You are inspiring. <laughs> I just want to acknowledge you for you know setting the example of that when we have massive challenge in our life, that it's our calling card to you know step up to the plate and become the next version of ourselves and continue to take the next step, right? Because every single day, you know, may not be guaranteed. It may not be easy, but if we can just take one step, I just think that, wow, I mean, you've inspired me so much and uh, your positive energy and your positive outlook, but also your tenacity is just so amazing. It's such a beautiful combination. And uh, Amy, you are phenomenal. Again, thank you so much for being on the show. Is there any parting thoughts or words of wisdom that you'd like to share with Elevate Nation? Let's see. Well, thank you again. I, I just, I can't thank you enough. This has been such a special experience and obviously I admire you and everything you do so much. Uh, but I just want to encourage everyone to not lose sight of that, that thing that's on their heart. We, I think we all have that. And sometimes it can be intimidating. It can be, you know, exhausting. It can be kind of confusing, but that thing on your heart is, is there for a reason. And even if you don't have a vision of how to get where you want to go. That doesn't mean you shouldn't continue to take that next best step uh, to get there. There's not a requirement for you to know all of the steps of how to get there. Just keep going. Thank you so much for that reminder. I think we all needed that. I mean, I needed that. Just take the next step. That's it, right? Wow. Amy Silvis, what an episode. What a conversation. Thank you so much. Elevate Nation can find Amy at thequatroway.com slash Amy Silvis. Also on LinkedIn and Instagram at Amy Silvis. That's S-Y-L-V-I-S. Of course, we'll put links in the show notes uh, across the board as to where you can find Amy. But Amy, did I miss any places where they can find you? Nope, this is it. Thank you so much. This has been just epic. I can't thank you all enough. <laughs> well, it's absolutely our pleasure, Amy. We will see you next time. Thanks so much for being on the show. We'll do. Thanks. Elevate Nation. If you are not inspired, I'm not sure if you have a pulse because that was, wow, that blew me away. And um, I'm just walking tall now. I'm like, I feel like I'm walking on water after talking to Amy Silvis and um, such an inspiring story. And it just shows us that we can overcome. We can overcome so much and whatever challenge it is that you're facing right now. Um, you know, what Amy has overcome, I hope gives you faith and inspiration that you can also overcome uh, your challenge and you can also step up to the plate and become that next version of yourself. Elevate Nation, my goodness. I just want to encourage you to re-listen to the show, but also discuss this with a friend, a business associate, a partner, 
an employee, someone that you care about, have a discussion because we learn more when we have a discussion, when we discuss, um, when we understand distinctions and insights from other people. I'd like for you, I'd like to challenge you to identify your top one, two, or three key distinctions or takeaways from this episode. And of course, most importantly, take massive action because there's no power unless we put these learnings into action. And that comes with one step at a time. Take one step, take one action uh, as a result here over the coming days or the coming week, you know, commit to that action and take massive action until next time. Elevate Nation. Thank you so much for tuning in and we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to Elevate. If you enjoy this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to elevate your results by taking immediate action on what you learned. For more, visit elevatepod.com.